<laughs> so I love it because he's like panicking over this shoelace and you're kind of looking at it like, dude, just pull on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just f- pull real hard. It'll break, I promise, or take your shoe off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Everybody Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and hit your follow, subscribe, like, bell notification buttons. Hit them all so you can keep up with our content and learn when new episodes are coming out. Um, and live stuff. We've got live stuff going on, too, so those are always fun. Um, tell a friend about us. Tell some family members about us. Help us grow the podcast. Go ahead and tell a disgruntled high school student about us um or some hicks with a preacher's daughter yeah a preacher's daughter's works too or some tractor chicken players those there. Are as well. uh if you haven't figured out by who we tell you to watch we are reviewing footloose it is the fourth week of movies and and subsequently the final week yeah it's true. official week because next week is halloween which means it, we, you have a nice horror it's a movie special. coming. <laughs> it's a special episode coming. Um, but yeah, Footloose, movies with great soundtracks. We saved the best for last, in my opinion. Um, it's my only pick this month. I didn't know what to do with myself, but I'm glad it was this one. Uh, Footloose was released February 17th, 1984. Possibly the greatest movie movie year of all time. It was written by Dean Pitchford. It was directed by Herbert Ross. It stars Kevin Bacon, Laurie Singer, Diane West, Chris Penn, Sarah Jessica Parker, John Laughlin, Elizabeth Gorsey, Jim Youngs, Francis Lee McCain, and Timothy Scott, and John Lithgow. Never forget John Lithgow. Uh, (laughs) A city teenager moves to a small town where rock music and dancing have been banned, and his rebellious spirit shakes up the populace. What a stupid synopsis. I mean, it's functional, but it's doesn't do they're not wrong, but they're yeah, yeah, they're they're not right. That's fair. Hey, look, I'm gonna get this out of the way. I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. And in 1984, again, which was a very great year for movies, um it was one of the highest grossing movies of that year. So love that. So, yeah, I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. And I get reminded of that every time I watch it. And I think what I love, one of the things I love the most about this movie that I never realize until I watch it, because I always forget it. Like I think of Footloose as like this kind of silly, weird goofy teenage drama when you ask me about it when I haven't seen it for a while but then I watch it and I'm like there's some serious shit going on in this movie and it's got some really great themes and like points to be made and everybody knows I don't love a movie that makes a point but this one does it very well in my opinion and I like it so not to mention the music's great all true no argument um this is it's it's not one of my like all-time favorite favorites mm. but it's never a bad watch yeah right it's never like hey you want to watch footloose no <laughs> um, it, it never has that this is the only one of this month that we've done so far that i would say is a family movie first of all which might That's contribute fair. a lot to its success um and i just while you were talking i was kind of running through some of the greatest 1984 films and every single one of them is easy enough to even show your five or six year old. Yeah. Right. Without, you know, a parent worrying about it. And that might contribute to why it's one of the greatest or the greatest movie year is, I mean, what was there? There was, you know, Footloose. There was uh, Back, to the, Back Future. to the Future. Have Temple. Is it Temple of yeah, Doom? I think Temple of, the, Temple of Doom. One of the Indiana Joneses. But one I of the Indiana Jones comes Doom. out. Gremlins was 84. Gremlins was, was 84. And all of these, you could go as a family and spend time as a family in the theaters and then yeah. continue to watch it, you know, when it came out on a VHS tape. Yeah. Um, which is something that you don't see in Hollywood frequently. 
definitely not recently um, mm-hmm. where you have an entire year where like the top billing um, movies could all be family films. Yeah. In fact, it's rare anymore. I mean, I guess some of the Marvel films you could say would be kind of family friendly. I think they, it's the reason you haven't seen an R rated Marvel yeah. film to this point, but I, you know, it's still, it's those movies don't have there. I cannot. And I love Marvel. We all know that for the most part, but there's not a single Marvel movie that I would go. Yeah, this is, this is good content. Like, you know what I mean? Like not yeah. only is it family friendly, but it's also, it's good movie. Like meaning there's a great point to it. There's lessons to be learned. And to me, like, yeah. And every, like I said, I, I watched it again this time and I'm like, man, this is relevant today. Maybe in reverse in some ways, like where we're almost too extreme outside of the box, but you know, there's towns right now that are maybe not banning dancing, but they're living in that ultra, ultra, ultra conservative bubble. So it's like, I I just think it's interesting when a movie 20, 40 40 yeah sorry 40 years removed is still <laughs> relevant and you can still go wow there's some lessons to be learned today from a movie like footloose like i think that's that's that is an epitome of great writing and storytelling that's what makes it a classic yeah and i mean even just the way it starts like it mm-hmm. doesn't have this kind like what we've seen with the kind of the movies we've done so far is like there's this intro like kind of this long intro maybe there's music playing that's going through it that kind of sets you up for what you're doing this one doesn't it goes straight into like fire and brimstone (laughs) and that's what you get kicked off with um and it's it's almost in a way kind of like a bait and switch or catch 22 Mm -hmm. um based on what you're initially brought into and then where this movie goes now it's a good bait and switch sure <laughs> but it's it's different than kind of the other movies you watch in this category or just even other movies that you go and see to start out with this fire and brimstone message um before you even introduce to your quote-unquote hero yeah yeah and can i just say watching that little kid that's out cold in church and his dad wakes him up and he looks at him like fuck are you doing waking me up asshole and then immediately goes back to sleep i was like that's me. <laughs> Only I did like the lean forward, put my hands on yeah. my, cheek, my face in my hands. And then, yeah, but I was out cold. Like I was sleeping all the way through church. I get that. So it's funny. So Javier and I, we used to go to church together, right? Uh-huh. And our families would sit in the back pew next to each other. Yeah. And we got the same look, except it was usually accompanied by like a rolled up piece of paper that was tossing our heads. Because <laughs> we weren't so much sleeping as goofing off. Sure. Um, there was the occasional time we were sleeping and some Right, yeah, wake yeah. up <laughs> but yeah so very very relatable oh yeah and it, right from the get-go you, you see this kid you're like, everybody can be like oh yeah that was me <laughs> yeah or even like getting to ren we see ren and kevin bacon sitting there and like the the preacher's going off you know what i mean and he just like puts his fingers to his eyes like jesus christ like what the hell am i listening to right now because he is very like fire and brimstone like burn and burn and if it's not john lithgow like if it's anybody but john lithgow i don't know that it comes i'm sure there's a couple that could do it but he's just so i i think john lithgow is one of my favorite actors period out there because he's so underrated in my opinion people don't talk about john lithgow until they watch something with john lithgow and they're like god he's so good mm-hmm. it's like we forget and i love that about him and this movie really kind of set me on to John Lithgow going, I like him. And then he was in Dexter as a villain. In my opinion, the best Dexter villain. If you ever watch that show, he's just so good at what he does. And he's really good in this as this like overbearing protective father that just takes things a step too far. But then at the same time, you can't, even though he's, he's, kind of the antagonist of the film you still no matter how overbearing he is like i still and this is true even when i was younger watching it like you still understood where he was coming from he never had malicious intent in what he was doing he was actually 
it was always good intentions with what he was trying to do and protect the the town and the kids, especially. And you could see that like when he goes to junior Bible school class and he's like, no, 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 they have to wait. Whatever the hell drama's going on, they got to wait till I'm done with the kids. And then he's picking them up. Where's my cookie? Like, I fucking love that shit because it shows that he's he's a good person. Even though he's the pseudo antagonist of the film. But I just like he and then my favorite part of his character is at the end when you see that he seems unreasonable throughout the whole film. Like, but it, at the end of the day, he's not, he's willing to sit down and have a conversation. He's willing to have his life lessons be taught to him by his wife, which Diane West for a person that only has like seven lines in this whole fucking film, just absolutely crushes it because that's how much power she delivers with him. Like, you know, I love the moment when they're in the church and he's been or he's been sitting there and they're talking and she tells him, you know, it's amazing to watch you preach because you can lift. I love the line. It's a, you can lift your uh, your congregation so high that they have to look down to see heaven. And he goes, but you suck at the one on one, one on one to one. You're you need some work. And I'm like, I love watching him be put in his place and then not being shitty about it. Like he contemplates and he thinks and he goes, you know what? You're right. Because if she hadn't done that, then that conversation that he has with Ren at the end, I don't think happens. Because it's that moment that he's like, I have to be better at this because my wife has put me in my place. And and I so I love that progression for his character. It's funny. I think Ren, even though he's our main character, is not my favorite character by far in this film. He's just the pilot. He's what we follow throughout all these really great human stories that and characters that we get to watch progress and grow. And I, I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's very genius writing. I'd agree. And to kind of piggyback off your point, like this is a, uh, I, I feel like this is a different story. If uh, you know, what is it? Reverend McCormick or something like that. Mm -hmm. If his kid isn't one of the ones that dies. Yeah. Right. Because now he's got this kind of, he's got to deal with his own grief but at the same time, he still has to be the spiritual leader for the people. He's torn mm -hmm. between kind of his responsibility to this community and, you know, his own personal feelings. And so that's where we almost have this. He's a great person, but you get this fire and brimstone on Sundays um, because it's like I got to do my job. Right. This is my job. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's very, very different if he's not the preacher. Sure. It's a very different, uh, you know, reverend. McCormick more at that point, more but, McCormick's yeah, Ren. Ren more McCormick. it's more he's got Ren. the greatest name too Shaw Shaw, Shaw. Moore that's fucking Shaw Moore. Yeah. um so I think we see a different Shaw Moore yeah. if you know he's not the spiritual leader of this community which takes that great right sure it's where you can still have the same characters but they fill a different role and the whole movie could change yeah yeah yeah, I just love it. And another character that's one of my favorites is uh, Chris Penn's character. Willard. Willard. I love Willard. Because he's just this goofy fuck. That, like, like, he's got some of the greatest lines in the whole movie, too. Like, when they're first driving and, and Ren's trying to teach him, ask him about music. Hey, man, do you like, do you like men at work? He's like, what men? Where they work? <laughs> he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what about the police yeah i've seen them oh you mean a concert <laughs> no behind you <laughs> that sequence cracks my shit up every time like it's just he's so silly well it's funny because you know the the remake of this oh. uh that they made the only part that i liked was willard yeah now the new remake and it's that's the only reason why i ever will watch the remake is because miles teller is willard yeah. but it's it's even uh, it's even better in the original for anybody yeah. uh, okay anybody who hasn't seen the original footloose there's an original one go watch it uh but yeah willard's the best part of it oh yeah because it's a great contrast of you know essentially dumb hick smart city kid <laughs> that you get going between these two that you know unlikely friends uh and it, it's great for comedy mm-hmm on his opening introductions great hey man watch where you're going <laughs> they sell men's clothes where you got that hat <laughs> it's it just yeah willard's great and 
I have seen half of the remake. I, I literally walked out of the theater. I didn't want to go see it because again, to me, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. And I don't love this surge of, especially back when this was happening, these remakes, I'm like, Ugh. and there are certain movies in my opinion that just don't do it. So when they did it with this and then they announced the cast, I'm like, Oh no, but miles Teller, I love Miles Teller. He's a great actor. He's great. Fuck, he, the movie's terrible. <laughs> I'm like, how do you fucking make... This is why we don't make great movies these days. Because it's just... You can't even remake a classic. Like, fuck, it's done for you. Just get people yeah. that can act. And that's all you need. Anyway, it's bad. Another fun fact about this movie that makes me love it, even though I get made fun of it for it. So I get funny story. So this movie was filmed ironically enough it was filmed entirely in utah okay <laughs> and i love it because it's supposed to take place in beaumont texas and then they have all these shots of the mountains in the background i'm like wait that doesn't work <laughs> it's like there's no texas there's no mountains like that in texas what the fuck are you doing and there's some huge utah mountains in because it's filmed in southern utah down in provo uh lehigh now like the lehigh roller mills those are still standing and they look just like that i mean it's legit the same fucking building there's just houses and built in like restaurants and shit around it now instead of being out in the middle of nowhere like it was in 1983 when this was filmed um so i always find that funny but every time we drive by so casey's grandma before she passed lived down in orem utah which is just south of lehigh um, where this was filmed and so or partially filmed <laughs> so every time we drive by the the lehigh roller mills where the they have the dance and where he works is right there off the freeway you can't miss it like it's like fuck there's that's footloose so every time we drive by i can't help myself because i love this fucking movie so i see it and i'm like hey that's where they feel <laughs> footloose and casey like we had there was one time I fell asleep. We were driving down to see your grandma and I'm in the back of the truck. Tom's driving. <laughs> I fell asleep. Well, I woke up shortly before Lehigh, but I didn't sit up. I kept my head down and like I was asleep in case he's talking a grip of shit. Right. And, uh, she's like, yeah, if he was awake, we'd be hearing all about fucking footloose being filmed right here. And I was like, <laughs> and I didn't even blink. And so that's where my family, my internal family and her parents, like we have this running gag where someone makes funny, we go fuck yourself. That's mm -hmm. where that came from. Cause I was laying sitting there and everybody thought I was asleep. She's talking shit. And I was like, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 so from then on, like, and everybody burst out laughing, but yeah, I love driving down there. Like, and you can still go see in Provo, the house that they throw the, the brick through the window. That's still there. In fact, most of Provo and especially Orem, you go down there dude it's like a freaking time warp it still feels like you're stuck in the 50s 60s and i mean it's crazy so it's just a cool fun fact i get tickled i'm like hey look it's utah and you can tell some of those shots you're like look at those mountains that's not texas texas doesn't have mountains no. <laughs> so funny so funny um yeah great we, movie yes um and then uh, the music Oh my right. god! So, dude. Kenny Loggins dude. did a fantastic job in creating a song that, no matter when, where, or how you hear it, you know where it's from. First of all, and you know about half the words <laughs> without you even know trying. at least one, right? <laughs> yeah, you, without even trying, you can see Lond about half of it because it's repetitive. Yeah, right. It repeats kind of the same verse over and over again, and the chorus is easy to pick up on, and yep. it just—it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of great because I don't think there's so many other Kenny Loggins songs that really get you going like that. No, there's a few, but they're, they're a small few danger zone. Danger zone was As I one. say, Kenny Loggins in the eight, in the mid eighties was like the soundtrack guy. He, Cause he had top gun. He had this one. Uh, he had another one that was pretty major too. The funny part though. And an interesting fact about this is the guy that wrote this movie, Dean Pitchford, Mm -hmm. um or not wrote it directed it right hang on let me look again yeah the guy that wrote this movie not director herbert ross directed it also co-wrote every song on this soundtrack 
except for like two, which were picked up from other performers. Like, so like almost paradise. He wrote, he co-wrote the only ones he didn't was waiting for a girl like you by foreigner hurt. So good by melon camp. And then of course, bang your head, quiet riot as they're driving through everything else. And I didn't know this until today when I was doing some research, Dean Pitchford co-wrote every other song on this soundtrack. Yeah. So not only can he write fucking movies, he can also write music. He can write music. Cause two of these songs on here, leave some talent for everybody else. What the fuck is your problem, dude? (laughs) Well, cause two of these, two of these songs were also nominated for an Oscar. Um, Footloose. And then, yeah. And then let's hear it for the boy by Denise Williams. Both of those in the same Oscar year were nominated. It's like, fuck off, Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> you got two in the fucking, but 1984, it's just that, it's just that year. But yeah, the soundtrack is, Amazing. I still have this CD in my, I have one of those big ass 208 CD, CD cases. And I have this one in Top Gun, like these 1980s films, but this one was in my car constantly. I could sing every song. Like I jammed to this because it's just that good. And to your point, like you can't, Footloose comes on and you're like, fuck. You just can't help but sing and dance to it. And then let's hear it for the boy. That's one of the, that's another one that I'm like, God, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And even almost paradise is good. Yeah. And then even is the warehouse one never, is that what? It, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, that one is something that's been kind of used and reused to pay homage to in other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see it and you know where it's from. Oh yeah. Like when you see it happening, like, oh that's from Footloose. Yep. Um, and so it's one of those movies that once again is just ingrained itself into this fabric of Hollywood that oh we're you know, how do you create a great montage? Get him jumping off of stuff, you know, yeah. running around to loud music, <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense, do some gymnastics and you're good. Uh, okay. I'm so glad you brought this shit up because I have I have two things that you just touched on. One this has the greatest montage ever in, in movie history, in my opinion. The dance shit with fucking Willard, like him oh. learning to dance. Fucking at me all you want. That is, if not the greatest, one of the top, it's top three all time fucking uh, the montages in movie history. Because it's so entertaining. Watching him dance like a white dude being taught how to dance like a white dude. <laughs> Part two, though, is the only part of this movie that I'm like, eh, is Ren's, like, freak out dance montage. Really? And I love it until he does, like, the fucking high bar shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, it has that moment where he does, like, the... And I'm even okay with it because they introduce him being a gymnast, part of the gymnastics team, right? But he does that flip off of it backwards and he's rolling. And then all of a sudden he has this, like repeated flying motion that i'm like that's backwards like that's not the way he dismounted fucker (laughs) and so it just bothers me but it looks cool jj it looks dope dope. (laughs) when he just tears that fucking sweater off so fucking grumpy and flopping i was like dude he's got splinters all over his back and shit right now because he's flopping in that old goddamn barn i'm like man but that's the only part that every time i watch it i laugh because like this is so stupid but yeah anyway but it's still good enough that hollywood copies it <laughs> for sure <laughs> oh and it's that's just me being nitpicky because it's silly to me like it doesn't make sense but i still get his frustration and his anger and that's how he lets that shit out right i get it dude's getting picked on getting singled out he's having his moment exactly yeah, it's so good though. Well, and I'll tell you somebody that we never really saw again was uh Lori Singer. And I say that just because she never did anything major again, right? But but I liked her character too. Like her character development, like this angry teenage girl that's trying to figure herself out and is sad because of the loss of her brother, and who who's mourning and like hurting just like her dad, but they're pushing the two of them apart because he goes one way and she goes the other and i really enjoy like her progression as well um 
I do get a little, but I, I think about it too, from an eighties perspective, like her boyfriend beats the shit out of her in that one scene or her ex-boyfriend. And then I think about it. I'm like, in the 80s, mid eight, 1984, nobody would have, I mean, it would have been like, well, What'd that you sucks. Do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think back on it, because I always, whenever I watch it now, I'm like, fuck, dude, somebody fucking arrest this dude, man. He just, and then I'm like, it was 1984. They didn't really arrest men for hitting back back then or even hitting first. So at least not to the level that they do now, mm-hmm. but it bothers me, but. She picked his dumb ass. Yeah. And then he gets his ass beat at the end. Which is also like, when did Ren become the fucking karate kid? <laughs> You're a real badass fucking when it's five to one. You're a real hero when it's five to one. And he does this like perfect Liu Kang fucking kick to the face. So good, dude. I love this movie. Talk about all of it for hours, dude. It's great. I'm curious though, do you have any beefs? Not many. the The only beef that I really have with it is mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that, and this is just, I mean, it, it's going to sound contradicting because we just did Dirty Dancing. I'm like, dancing's amazing, but <laughs> for this one, I, I'm just kind of like, it's good. I'll watch it, but I don't love it. Yeah. Um, and so it might be because I might have overwatched it when I was younger or, you know, different circumstances, whatever it could be. But it's mm-hmm. just something where I'm like, you know, it's it's not going to be a bad time. But for me, it's not going to be like balls to the walls. Great movie time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think it's just to do with the pacing. Yeah. Right. The pacing can be a little bit slow at some times, but it fits with the story. Sure. Right. And you have. You know, uh, you you have comedy. You don't have a lot of comedy. Like we were just talking about, you know, the kind of that fight at the end. It's it's funny because, like, you promise no fights, Willard, right? You yeah. don't even know this guy. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of this underlying theme throughout the movie. So I, the beefs that I have is that I just don't love it, which is a great beef to have. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's not, it's not really a beef. Yeah. It's a personal preference thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have, like, other than that dance scene, I, I don't really have any beefs. I think some of it gets a little silly, but I think that's part of its charm because as I was thinking about it as I was watching it this time, because like you said watching movies for the podcast changes the way I watch them a little bit. And this is a movie that I would never question or be like, why would they make that choice? But it, and again, we've mentioned it covers some very heavy, heavy topics. I mean, death teenage promiscuity and dealing with like you know moral survivor grief yeah survivor grief moral high ground the loss of a parent meaning because he just leaves right like that that, especially in the 80s like divorce wasn't as common like we someone says they get divorced and they're like oh nowadays in the 80s it was like fuck dude i'm sorry i mean that was tantamount to losing you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah. oh, you got divorced, you get two Christmases. Now, it was, back then, it was like, fuck, you got divorced. Because typically, divorce left led to disconnection almost to the point of you just don't see them in, like you do in this case. So there's a lot of heavy topics. And so I started thinking about this time going, I wonder if some of the silly, like the bar scene, like I love when they go to the bar and like they're dancing and Sarah Jessica Parker's like fucking – just shaking her ass on that sitting down and she's all pissed off because Willard, but she, he's too embarrassed to tell her that he can't dance. So it's just all this like kind of silly shit going on. And then the dancing is a little goofy sometimes. And then I just think it might've been to balance out how heavy some of the background storyline was. Cause I mean, we get down to the point that, I mean, we get a reference almost to your, uh, you were the socialists what's your term uh i know right oh, oh national socialist national socialist yeah, yeah yeah with the book burning stuff right yeah. so they you know he gets called the reverend gets called because they're burning books and there's a quick reference early on in it about you know slaughterhouse five and how controversial that book still is 
and yet we still we see and you say that out loud to most people well, we're gonna burn some books you're like what the fuck that's some bullshit you know and you watch that and that's an extreme something extreme to show in a movie like this so i I, I do think that there's some of that because there is some goofy shit and nothing makes me giggle harder in this movie than the two fucking tractors that at best go 10, 15 miles an hour going at each other. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is this so intense? But his shoelace gets caught. I'm like, come That's on, dude, there's so much part. metal. It would rip that shoelace. My dog can chew through a shoelace. Well, it's so funny because it, it's like we have to find a way to make sure he can't jump off the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to get his shoelace caught. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it because he's like panicking over this shoelace and you're kind of looking at it like, dude, just pull on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just fucking pull real hard. It'll break. I promise. Or take your shoe off. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I love the balance and I think it's necessary. Like watching it this time through, I was like, I get why I can stomach. Cause you know me, we've talked about this on the podcast. I can't stomach too serious a lot. I could watch this movie anytime, anywhere, no questions asked and enjoy the shit out of it. But it's a, it's a heavy topic movie. There's a lot going on, but I still find entertainment value and I leave happier than I did when I, you know what I mean? I leave feeling yeah. good and uplifted, which when I think about the content, I'm like, okay, they, they found a good balance. And while I can sit here and nitpick the goofy, I think it was necessary for it to, to be the movie that it is right. Where you're like, God, that feels good to watch footloose. Like, yeah. So it's just the, something I picked up on this time that I had never thought about before so fair 100 yeah. percent fair um i do like kind of the over arching moral thing whatever mm -hmm. you want to say it is of you know you almost have to let kids be kids right yeah. to to let them grow let them make mistakes you do what you can to protect them but you can't put them in this box right because if you put them in this box they're going to find a way to get out of it Mm -hmm. um, and so it's almost like pick your battles, give them guidance, teach them the, you know, what to do and how to handle tough situations. Mm -hmm. And then you have to let them mess up. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a, uh, it's a very kind of cool theme that once again, we don't see anymore or really have ever seen. It's, mm -mm. it's more of a, you know, you have some kind of a superhero save the day moment, regardless or you know everything works out in the end because of uh faith love and a little bit of pixie dust um or whatever <laughs> it comes into and so this is kind of dealing with that kind of controversial almost line of how to be a good parent mm -hmm. um through the eyes of a rebellious teen yeah um and it culminates in that kind of town hall meeting where we see it laid out like hey you gotta let us be kids yeah you know, no, you gotta I love make that. mistakes, and it's a it's a great overarching theme to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of deal with the, for the entirety of the movie. Yeah, but it, well, in a way, it sneaks up on you too. Well, sure, yeah, you're like, whoa, this was a good moral story. Well, and I love that it doesn't just because I think something that films are guilty of too, and especially these days, is it's like, okay, we're gonna make a point, and our point is gonna be we're gonna hit you over the head with a hammer with it. And it usually is only one side of that point, right? Like most movies now would be like, well, we're going to show that you can't constrict kids. You have to be, you have to let them kind of grow and make and learn their own mistakes. This movie does both sides, right? Like it's these kids are being corralled and suffocated and which is a bad combo because the more that you crowd up a kid and bottle them up like you said the more they're going to want to break out and go do dumb shit because you're telling them not to and won't let them do anything they have to learn but adults on the flip side have this misconception and 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 at the same time a good lesson and i'm learning this as an older man that like my parents weren't kidding when they say this is a bad decision we know this because we did this 
And while we watch this and we look at the adults, especially not they did John Lithgow's character, Shaw, Reverend Shaw, so well as to not be a true villain. So you, you see him learning, but the rest of the, the people in this town, like the uncle, the guy and the lady that were burning books, the teachers, like they're all just complete and utter assholes because they're looking at it going, yes, we've lived our lives. We don't want mistakes. We've seen tragedy. We're not going to let you have those things in your life. So, but then you start to see the points getting made to them and they have to learn and adjust. And that's shown through mostly through Reverend Shaw, which I think they did a great job for. But I love that part of it. And I think I'm coming around more because I don't like movies that try to teach me something when they hit me over the head with it. But this movie does teach that even as an adult, you still have shit to learn. And he even admits that in that final sermon, right? Where he's like, look, I've been trying to be everybody's parent. And, you know, and I, I have to learn that I have to let people make mistakes and I can't dictate for you what to do. And so, I, yeah, to your point, I love that overarching lesson that's there that does sneak up. You're like, God damn it. They got me on that deal. <laughs> you made me feel. Yeah. You made me think about shit in a positive and resourceful light. And that, for me, the last thing I want to talk about with this movie that really hits home is like, look, I live in Utah. And I get real tired, like not to get into government because I don't want to go down that road too far because I know where that takes you and I both. But watch out for fucking freezing recording devices too. You um, you freeze when we do government <laughs> shit. I know. My <laughs> lights turn off and shit. Um Look, Utah's government is the worst. It's like this town in the government. Because, look, everybody knows Utah is associated with a certain religion. Not going to throw that shit out there, but it's there. And most of the politicians in the state that are part of the state legislature and everything else are members of that dominant religion here in the state. And they think that it's their job to save everybody in their constituency's souls. And they do so by restricting all of the things that that religion looks at as negative and soul crushing, damn you to hell shit, like alcohol, sex, drugs, even though drugs are bad, except rock for and roll, rock and, drugs, roll. rock and roll, seriously, <laughs> like, but it's, and, and to the point that like, and <laughs> like, this is the kind of shit, like the alcohol laws, like if you want some entertainment, look up the liquor laws in Utah, it's fucking stupid. Like there's a sign on every restaurant and bar that either says this establishment is a bar or this establishment is a restaurant. <laughs> it has to be there. I swear to God, every one of them has it, dude. Not to mention they used to, they still also have what they call the, the Zion's curtain. So if the restaurant has a bar in it, it used to be like, we used to go to, there was a, there was a sports bar you could go into. that was a restaurant but had a bar in the middle of it and you could see them make your drinks like most bars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In Utah, they decided we're going to pass a law to where they had to build a barrier between diners. If you were in a restaurant, there had to be a wall or the Zion's curtain that didn't allow you to watch your drinks being made by the bartender because it made alcohol look fun. <laughs> yes sir Isn't that what tv does yes sir dude cheers come on man <laughs> where everybody knows your day but seriously like that's a law so that's the kind of ridiculous shit but i think that to me like i watch this and i go fuck if only utah's government and other governments and parents and what would learn from this not only are you missing out on a monstrous amount of revenue but it's just stupid. Like, let me live my life, make my mistakes, not make mistakes. And I think that shows this in a really good way, like you talked about. Like, just let people be people. They're going to do it anyway. Well, it's also kind of like pick your battles almost, right? Sure. So kind of like a real-life example with me personally is I, I love my parents. My parents get, and I don't get along necessarily on everything. Mm -hmm. But growing up, 
like my sister had a curfew, right? She had to be home by a certain time because she would go out with friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a curfew because I didn't like to hang out with anybody except for Javier. <laughs> and at that point, it didn't really matter when I came home. Sure. Right? As long as I was communicating with them, kind of letting them know, checking in periodically, I didn't have a time where I had to be home. Mm. Because I was going to be home at 9 o'clock because I didn't want to hang out with anybody. Uh, bedtime was 9.30. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that was the battle that was picked. But there was other things that my sister could do that I kind of had a limit or restriction on because it was something that, you know, would, would end up getting me in trouble. Yeah. Uh, type of a deal. And so they were able to kind of pick and choose based on our own personalities, like, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, this or that and vice versa and things like that. And so it goes back to, instead of doing this kind of blanket thing that Utah is doing with their rules and regulations, like find something you want to pick your battle on and go for there and be, you know, linear or not necessarily caring about other things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Instead but I science curtain. <laughs> yeah, science curtain, dude. It's fucking, I called it the idiot's wall. <laughs> so fucking stupid. All these re all these poor restaurants had to put like get con contractors to come in and build these fucking dividers. Yeah, see, if you're doing that, that needs to be that that had better have been government subsidized. Nope. Yeah, see, now now you're getting into that kind of problem territory for me. Yeah. Not to mention the 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 amount of the cost for a liquor license in Utah is astronomical. Oh, I believe it. And they're fucking limited to the point that it's almost impossible to get them if you don't. That's why Utah has all these microbreweries that have popped up. And these gastro pubs, because you don't have to get a liquor license if you're a micro pub. Like if you brew your own beer, mm. you don't have to get a liquor license to sell the beer. So you may not sell liquor, but you can sell your own beer because you're a brew. So you just have to get the licensing to be a brewery. And so gotcha. we have breweries crawling out of our fucking ears in Utah, which I'm okay with. But it's just funny because that's what I'm talking about. You, If you tighten the reins on shit, we will find a way. Yeah. To either just ignore that shit or get around it, as we saw with Ariel, <laughs> you exactly. know, what I mean? it's gonna happen. Um, the other thing that I think I really love about this film is the fact that, like, and we mentioned it already, is that Shaw talked to his daughter, he talked to his wife, he talked to the to Ren. Adults, there's I've known a lot of adults that just don't do that shit, and I think that's I'm gonna get real deep here. We Ooh. hear about the school systems being broken and we hear about all these things that aren't they're wrong or we put restrictions on all this stuff but it, you know what like it, like sex ed for example i had to go through sex ed when i was in high school i don't know are you young enough that they had gotten away with sex ed in school when you went we still had it but it'd been kind of toned down gotcha you didn't have like the fucking movie like the videos that you watched on the old shitty tv that actually showed you genitalia with gonorrhea and no so yeah, we had yeah. toned down they had videos but it was more uh animated like cartoonish type things oh yeah no 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 like we actually had when i was a freshman in high school i remember going to health class and they had the sex ed portion and we actually had like pictures and film of like disease-ridden genitals and i'm like fuck you i'm not having sex without yeah. a condom See, but here's the, that would have done it <laughs> i'm telling you and, and well and that's the part that like and really what it comes down to and you can at everybody can at me on this one too i that is because that's bad parenting i'm sorry but if you're afraid of someone teaching your child about sexual education and i'm not saying go out and have sex i'm not saying i'm saying educate on all sides of it we were taught when I was in school, the best way to not have a child, the best way to not get a disease is to not fuck. <laughs> okay. Don't have sex and it cannot happen. Makes sense they, to me. <laughs> they taught that shit, but they also taught that if you're not going to listen to our recommendation of abstinence, wear a fucking condom. Okay. Because again, while not perfect, limits that chance to 0.1% or whatever the fuck exactly. it was. So, <laughs> but now parents are like, well, we don't want you teaching our kids about that. Well, you're not going to teach it either. I'm okay. If we took it away from school, 
if our parents weren't such pussies that they don't actually teach their kids about sex, what to do, what not to do. Thank goodness. Cause that's the other thing I didn't need sex ed as a, ed as a kid because my parents and I had conversations and I know not every kid's like that. And thank God for my parents. I appreciate that. They would talk to me about anything and everything, even within the religion that I grew up with, which it's very, that's a taboo topic. Sex is a scary thing for the Mormon religion. And I feel bad for the kids that are still in it. But my parents told me, like, my dad was like, remember that shit they told you in school where either you're going to have some warts and shit on your penis or you're going to knock a girl up. They're not fucking joking. I can't stop you from doing it, but you know, be smart about it or here's some things to know. And I think if all of our parents would just say, and it's not a comfortable conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> but I think to that point, like, and this isn't just about sex. That was just a, uh, an easy, it's like a, it's a softball that you can, it's easy to throw up there. Right. But like any topic, it's interesting to me because I watched my sister who grew up with the same parents I did had conversations and, she struggles sometimes to talk to her daughters about this stuff. And I'm like, send them my way. I'll talk to them about it. Whatever you want me to talk. Because that's how people like, again, I'm not going to tell them. Don't do something or do this, do that. Don't do that. I'm going to tell you here it is. Here is all the shit that can happen. Good, bad, or indifferent. Make your own fucking decision. Just understand what it is. That decision is right. Well, I think it's also talking about like, and you kind of touched on this, the source, right? Mm. Like, you know, when you were growing up in the school, uh, it was either your parents or school pretty much. Right. And yeah. you got it from technically both sources, but there, like now it's not in schools. Yeah. Parents aren't teaching it. What is the internet? Yeah. Is that, and it, that becomes a question of, is this where you want your kids to learn stuff from? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> and that now that becomes the issue because like we've been talking about, they will find a way, right? It yeah. is super easy to get around even, you know, parent search blockers on the internet. Oh, fucking A. It's, it's not difficult. And so, you know, it, having that open line of communication, as awkward, like you said, as awkward as it is, because it is, mm -hmm. is going to save you so much time and headache in the long run. Because, yeah. because you're not talking about it does not mean they are not finding the information somewhere. And then yep. making their own decisions. And as we all know, a 12-year-old is stupid as fuck. Fuck like, it. <laughs> they have a 99% wrong rate. They're, they're, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they're not making a right decision. Yeah. Ever. No. Um, so do you want them finding out on their own? Or do you want to teach them what you expect of them? Right? Your yeah. expectations. Yep. Yeah. And trust me, when they're 12... They touch it and it feels good. And they go, I bet that feels even better if you do it together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're going to figure it out. Oh, shit. As we saw that Ariel did. That's I love that line, too. I'm not even a virgin. John Lithgow's face when she says that, I was like, that's acting right there. That dude was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What do I say? <laughs> and his only retort is, don't talk about that shit in the house of God. <laughs> great writing dude what a good mm -hmm. movie you ready to rate it yeah it's i'm so time. happy though because you get to go first <laughs> yeah this is an easy one for me though it's a five like I, I was thinking about it as i was watching it going what am i gonna rate this because i know it's high i knew it was a four plus no matter what i did but i kept thinking i was like is there anything that would knock my rating down like if i started at a five so this is this is i'm here is there anything that would go it's not a five and there's not even all the little weird nitpicky goofy shit that I make fun of. It's not because I can't think of another film. Like I talked about Moulin Rouge when we talked about that film, how I leave purely entertained, but not only with this film am I entertained and I'm happy and I feel good about life after I've watched this. I also feel like it has such good moral life decision-making topics that i'm like and and yet i don't feel like i'm getting beat down with it so i just it just i think it's up there in my perfect movies so five for me call me anytime you want to watch it and i probably watched it before and i'll watch it again with you i love this version of this movie anytime anywhere great movie 
So there you go. It was easy right. for me to go first on. My turn. I'm going to be a five as well. Nice. So, like, like I kind of said, it's not a movie that I love. Sure. But just because I l- don't love it doesn't mean it's not good or other people love it or that it should get a five. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that, like you kind of said, there's nothing really that makes me go, okay, this movie has been great if they had done this instead of this. Um, it's just that it's not something that I typically enjoy. So I go pretty long watches or pretty long times of not watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think I did when I was kind of younger. My parents had this, like, this was one of those, you know, yep. Sunday night movies. You throw this in type of a thing. Oh, yeah. um, so I think I kind of got burned out on it. Um, but I, I'll pick this up and put it in every once in a while. And I'm never disappointed when I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be watching it again. Don't know how frequently, but I'm glad yeah. that this was your pick. Yeah, me too. I'm glad five. this is the one that my good friend picked for us. Yeah. The fives. It's been a while since we've fived up together. I like it. Footloose. Hey, that's the end of this crazy topic, dude. Yeah. Movies with great sound. What a great way to finish it. We started with some weird shit. We did. We finished with some great shit. I'm glad this is the order it went in. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, so knowing that, tell everybody where they can find us. Allie. Oh, happy to. So week four of movies with great soundtracks is in the books and the month with it. Uh, next week, we have a fifth Monday special with a horror flick that after watching, you will need to go back and listen to the intro of Grease. Oh, yeah. At least the first five minutes to get the yep. full experience. Uh, what should our next topic for films be? Do you have a suggestion? Nature runs amok films, perhaps? Or slasher films? Or cheesy animated films? Uh, join Patreon to join the voting and take away the monopoly that Chad the Dick has on our content. <laughs> Special thanks, of course, to Chad the Dick. You are a gem and a treasure. Uh, with that, I'll kick it back to the Colossus of Clout, the Maharaja of Mash, Ajay Jai. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, this is a, It's been a fun month, even though we did some movies that everybody would be like, you didn't like that movie? No, I love that movie, but it's really hard to say it's a good movie <laughs> outside of the music. Yeah. Uh, so enjoy that. Go listen. Have a good time with it. And with that, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinematic.